Hey, you're listening to Mig's Front Page with Peter Movilla. Today we will be discussing the special article entitled The Link Between Endometriosis, Atherosclerotic Cardiovascular Disease, and the Health of Women Midlife. This special article discusses the potential links between endometriosis and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. It makes a point that a physician should consider endometriosis as a non-traditional risk factor for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease in order to allow for an earlier diagnosis and preventative treatment strategies. We have with us today Dr. Omar Taskin. He's a faculty professor at the University of British Columbia in the Division of Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Taskin. Thank you for having me. You published a very interesting and novel concept between the link associating endometriosis and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Tell us, what was the impetus for this uh, special article before you published it? As you all know, endometriosis is not is enigmatic disease and nobody has uh, figured out what's going on. But we may be mistakenly or biased on pain and infertility on the masses or endometriomas, not other or surgery regarding how to improve the infertility plus, plus the pain. So, but when you look at the details, if the chronic inflammation is the basis of both disease, so there should be a lot going on. So we prepared a, I, we prepared a systematic review, which will be published next month probably. It's accepted for publication. In that uh, systematic review, we used a lipid profile, uh, systemic inflammation markers and uh, non-invasive ultrasonography markers to denote HSCVD risk in a uh, patient. So we figure out that there is a clinical trend or to, uh, evidence towards increased lifetime risk of HSCVD in endometriosis patients. It's a very interesting point. Yeah. And again, it's not something that we're taught in medical school and residency. Oh. And even during my current fellowship in minimally basic gynecological surgery, we see a lot of patients with endometriosis. So I was very fascinated by your multiple. <laughs> so I'm only combining the literature. Actually, there is uh, in the li- everything is in the literature. It's true. It's, it's unbelievable. But it's separately, nobody combined uh, those links between cardiology and reproductive endocrinology. That's the point. Talking about the link between the endometriosis and cardiology, you go through several different proposed mechanisms. Yeah. Were there any? mechanism um, that you would say had the most um, biological plausibility of linking the two diseases that should be investigated further? When you look at the literature, uh, so most important baseline uh, uh, problem is chronic inflammation and or macrophage activation. Now we are we prepared a submitted a paper regarding innate immunity. So immune mechanism which is uh, prevalent in endometriosis is they have the same uh, importance in uh, cardiovascular diseases too. It, it is clearly shown in, in by Virchow in the 19th century that macrophage activation was uh, prominent in atherosclerotic plaques. So we know that macrophage activation is uh, prominent in endometriosis too. So innate immunity, which we call the you know the, the, there is two immunity adaptive and innate immunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, up to 2011, uh, innate immunity or macro we thought that macrophages has didn't have any specific memory, but now we believe that there are very uh, very well controlled studies that uh, those macrophages neutrophils, dendritic cells, and natural killer cells has non-specific memory regarding that when lifestyle modifications, some epigenetic modifications, 
uh, can change the, uh, their uh, reactions to the stimuli and they remember that stimuli and they uh, maladapt the immunologic mechanisms. Instead of uh, getting rid of the stimuli, they began to help to move up the st stimuli and provide a, a inflammatory status regard, uh, leading to atheromplex or atherosclerosis and endometriosis. Mm -hmm. So I think the next uh, topic which will be important uh, beside chronic inflammation or the basis of chronic inflammation is the innate or trained immunity that will uh, form the basis of two studies. Because when you look at the uh, literature at the same time, we know that uh, endometrial has seen a lot when you have chronic uh, lower genital infections, uh, the pre prevalence of uh, endometriosis has been shown to increase. At the same time, when they're changing and good microbiota or dysbiosis, we know that uh, macrophage, macrophage or uh, monocyte activity is been changing. And those both infections are shown to be related to atherosclerosis too. So I think the chronic inflammation and uh, the innate immunity, epigenetic, epigenetically modified innate immunity, will form the basis of both diseases in the future. You know, I think that some of the topics you bring up definitely rekindle a lot of my medical school background now having been a physician. <laughs> yeah. But it makes a lot of sense when you actually put it out there. Too simple, I mean. When you get low genital infection, you have increased uh, prevalence of endometriosis. When you have got dysbiosis or uh, what you call microbiota changes in the flora, you may it's linked to endometriosis, it's linked to preeclampsia, it's linked to premature uh, labor, it links to uh, atherosclerosis. So that is, it will be interesting to uh, look at uh, or to come out with very good studies, uh, which right. I, I have to emphasize again, there's only one by Santoro and friends, which they work a lot in that uh, topic. Makes sense. One topic that I found a little bit interesting because something that comes up uh, in our clinic here during my fellowship, and it's the link between endometriosis and earlier menopause, and you give kind of some rationale on why that's possible, either because of endometriomas or all the surgery that patients with infertility specifically have. So I had a clinical scenario I wanted to run past you and hear your kind of clinician viewpoint of what you would do. So the clinical scenario goes, a 39-year-old G0 with a history of stage 2 endometriosis and three prior pelvic laparoscopic surgeries where they might have done some excision and ablation was recently diagnosed with primary ovarian insufficiency. What would you recommend in terms of this patient's global assessment from an ASCVD risk, and how would you manage her in your clinic? Actually, as a, and maybe fellowship knowledge or as a clinician, we have to first look at the risks. We have to get a detailed uh, history of the patients, look at uh, his background, if any uh, have any kind of disease or not, uh, check the necessary uh, blood work uh, with uh, both cardiovascular disease and for menopause. And uh, probably I would treat as, as, soon as, as soon as possible, because as you know, in menopause, there is a time to uh, hypothesis. So when you uh, begin your therapy as early as possible, within 10 years of menopause, it's protective. Uh, we know that it's protective uh, against atherosclerosis. So probably I would manage as I do the uh, same uh, for any menopausal or, or uh, patients. Of course, you can discuss what medication you are using. There are very good uh, outcomes that are used on the topic. But uh, our point is before menopause, 
what should we do? Because we know that these patients are prone to, uh, or there's clinical evidence that they have high risk of atherosclerosis in future. So they are young and they are, yeah, it's, it's known, it's published a lot. That we know that in endometriosis, in Japanese study of 25,000 women, in, in endometriosis patient, early ovarian failure is uh, prominent. So we know that there is something going on with menopause and endometriosis. We know that endometriosis changes the uh, ovarian function, as I told you, uh, better activation and uh, progesterone resistance following to epigenetic uh, modification and macrophage activation. So we know that there is something going on. So I, our intention, not treating patients like those, of course, we will treat as soon as possible, but to outline them mm -hmm. and do some non-invasive tests, whatever you do, found out the risk and found, uh, denote the microvascular dysfunction or endothelial dysfunction in women, which is dynamic and reversible. We can easily reverse uh, innate immunity changes or uh, whatever, whatever uh, dysfunction and prevent before cure. But uh, to your question, my answer is the same. That any clinician will uh, reply. So we begin uh, uh, HRT or estrogen uh, replacement therapy as soon as possible without thinking that it will recur or not, uh, and uh, get a detailed uh, ex do a detailed physical examination and a focus history and uh, any background information regarding HSCV disease or maybe whether she had pregnancy or she has G0. What? Uh, we can, uh, any autoimmune diseases, which is closely linked to both endometriosis and uh, atherosclerosis through innate immunity. So I would do the same. But uh, I, again, again we, I have to emphasize our intention is to prevent rather than cure atherosclerosis. And uh, it should be known that in women, uh, it is diagnosed 10 years later than the men, any uh, cardiovascular events. And in women, the uh, presentation is not typical. Therapy and outcome is not, uh, uh, is not the same. Generally, we men come with uh, atrium plaques, but women, this microvascular, microvascular dysfunction, uh, there is no plaque, almost no plaque in most of the patients. So presentations, symptoms, therapy, uh, and diagnosis is very, very different than the men uh, in women. For that reason, uh, as soon as possible, interfering with anything regarding the atherosclerosis is very vital in premature ovarian failure as, as published in our literature a lot. So you kind of alluded to this in some of your previous answers. What do you think are some of the next biggest steps in terms of researching the association between endometriosis and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease? Uh, as I told you before, a very good uh, uh, design, very, uh, very well designed, controlled prospective studies are needed because we have a lot of patients. Everybody is uh, doing surgeries and endometriosis. Uh, we have at least uh, outlined in our uh, systematic review, which will be published next month, uh, the non-invasive markers, clinical markers that we, uh, that we can use to outline the microvascular dysfunction in these patients. And there are new therapies are coming out, like metformin, statins. Uh, are uh, at the same time we are using those in cardiovascular patients. 
at the same time to uh, suppress the chronic inflammation is endometriosis, but you know they are using a lot. There are some epigenetic modification to innate immunity, innate immunity that um, medications that may prevent those epigenetic changes or lifestyle modifications that may uh, affect those uh, epigenetic changes in uh, macrophage or innate immunity. So there are a lot of uh, new uh, data is coming and those pay like statins, I mean, you know, uh, are used a lot in uh, cardiovascular medicine, and it's the point of uh, discussion. But now there are studies that they are using endometriosis treatment too. So I think uh, well-controlled studies, well-designed studies uh, regarding chronic inflammation, innate immunity, and their epigenetic modifications uh, should be designed and uh, should be looked carefully in both studies at the same time. Uh, there was an interesting uh, advancement uh, in literature. You know, HAH, H, American Heart Association, and ACAR came out with a statement like six months ago stating that every woman who is going to obstetric or gynecologic examination should be questioned regarding the cardiovascular problems or the symptoms. This was very interesting, it's very supportive, it's very timely. We are right about to submit our this paper, uh, submit this paper, and that came out, and that was supportive. But the problem with that paper, or to us, not the problem maybe, to us uh, there is a, a problem with that paper. They omitted, they never mentioned endometriosis. But when you look at the non-traditional risk factors, we have preeclampsia, we have uh, premature labor. Those are all in the literature related to endometriosis. In endometriosis patients, there we see a lot of preeclampsia, increased risk of uh, preterm labor, blah, blah, blah. So we have those. But uh, when you look at that paper, they clearly outline those risk factors and non-traditional risk factors, which is very important uh, in women uh, cardiovascular health. But they omitted endometriosis. So we thought that while we prepared the paper, oh, this is very supportive. So why didn't they include endometriosis? I think the data that we presented, or data we presented, systematic review, supports that there should be at least a question mark regarding endometriosis. If endometriosis is linked to premature labor or preeclampsia, why is not included in non-traditional risk factors? Dr. Taskman, thank you so much again for your time and presenting this very novel and interesting topic. We look forward to your future publications on the topic and seeing whether or not more people pick up between the association between endometriosis and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. I really think that this is a great discussion. Thank you so much again for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. See you, Peter. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to another issue of MIGS Front Page. I hope that you tune in for the next video podcast. Have a good day.